Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study on the Gospel of John, and this program is the twelfth in this series. I'm in the middle of John chapter 3, and in the previous program I was speaking about John 3.16, I was explaining the Gospel, and that if you are to believe in the Lord Jesus, you have to believe in what Jesus came to accomplish, the problem that he came to solve. And I explained in the previous program that the problem that needed to be solved was the problem of spiritual death, that people are born into this world spiritually dead. They need to be forgiven so that when they are made alive through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, there will be no sin that will cause the Holy Spirit to depart from a person who surrenders to the new covenant. And so beginning in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that everlasting life is the life that dwells within a person eternally in the sense that you will be made spiritually alive, you will be born again, as Jesus described to Nicodemus earlier, and this life that you have will carry you on into eternity even after you physically die. Now, I spent some time at the end of the last program talking about condemnation and that everyone in this world is already condemned. They are condemned in the sense that they are born into this world spiritually dead. And because of our condition, we by default end up engaging in sin in our lives. And that's just because of the design that we have by God, how God designed us. He designed us to only function correctly through the indwelling presence of his spirit, through him dwelling within us and living within us and being an integral part of our lives. That was how he originally created us. But because of the fall of humanity, we ended up in a condition that was a deviation from what God intended. So what he has now is he has a bunch of spiritually dead people, and because of his love, he has initiated a solution so that people could be saved. But until they make that transition, they are in a state of being condemned. Now, when Jesus entered into the region at this time in history, and he spoke to the people, at this time in history, the religious people took the position They had the belief that they had found a way to live in obedience to the Mosaic law such that God would be satisfied through their lifestyle and through the way that they lived so that they would have never violated the law and that there would be no reason for them to be condemned. This is what they believed. And so it was at this time that God manifested in the flesh went to go speak to these people, among others who were in the area, and explained to them 
that he was not impressed, that he did not believe that they had achieved success. And this was mainly what the ministry of the Lord Jesus was about. It was about reaching out to the people with the love of God to tell them that they had not succeeded and that they were in danger of not experiencing eternal life with God. They certainly would not listen to anyone else at that time in history. They had all agreed that they had finally achieved success. And so it would require God himself to personally come and demonstrate through the miracles, the signs, and the wonders that he performed that he was someone that they would need to pay attention to so that they could be reminded that they are genuinely in a state of condemnation. Now, he did not come in order to condemn the people, but to show them that they were already condemned. Continuing in verse 17, this is John chapter 3, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's verse 18. Now, what this means is, is that the only way that you will be set free from this condemnation is if you trust and depend on what the Lord Jesus did for you. Now, during his ministry, he was still alive, and he had not yet provided for forgiveness, forgiveness for the sins of the world. He had not yet provided for the restoration of the Holy Spirit. He was there in order to testify that the people were in a state of condemnation, and he was there to proclaim that a solution was about to come. The new covenant was about to come into effect. He proclaimed the new covenant, but the new covenant was not in effect until after he died and rose from the dead. So during his ministry, what he mainly taught was the old covenant. It was the law. And again, for the purpose of showing people that they needed to be saved. So in verse 19, it says, And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world And men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Now, in verse 21, it speaks of those who do the truth. They are willing to come to the light. But in this situation, no one was doing the truth. No one was obeying the law to the satisfaction of God so that they would feel comfortable with being exposed by the Lord Jesus. Exposed in the sense that Jesus' presence, his teaching, what he did in terms of his miracles, all of those things would expose Everyone, as a person who was not living according to the truth, everyone would have fallen short. And so everyone would have fit into the category of verse 20. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. 
Of course, Jesus had his disciples, and there were many people who did follow him and who paid attention to him, but those were people who had a sense of hope. They had a sense of hope that he would provide a solution, that he would find a way, that he would provide a way for people to have a relationship with God. And that turned out to be through the invocation of the new covenant. But there were a lot of other people who didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus at all. Now, what I want you to understand is that everyone has a relationship with God. The reason why everyone has a relationship with God is because this is God's planet. This is God's world. He created everything that is here, and through his creation, everyone exists because of him. And he is an active participant in this world that he created. So by definition, by the definition of the fact that he is the designer, he is a continual participant in every generation of people who have lived in this world, everyone has a relationship with God. It's just that you either have a good relationship or a bad relationship or a relationship that you would rather not have. The relationship that exists for everyone before they are saved is a relationship of being in a state of condemnation. And there are only two options that a person can take if they are not going to surrender to the new covenant. There are only two options that a person has when it comes to this relationship that everyone has with God. The first option is that a person can acknowledge and recognize and accept the truth that they are in a condemned state because of their sin, because they are not living in obedience to the commandments of God. If they recognize that and they acknowledge that, then they can make changes. They can make changes and try harder, try new ways, try whatever it takes in order to try and solve this problem so that they are no longer condemned. And of course, the only way that a person can achieve that is through perfection in terms of their obedience and in terms of what they believe and what they think. But no one will ever reach that standard. And so while it is an option in the sense that a person may try Everyone is guaranteed to fail when they take that option. The second way that a person can respond to the relationship that does exist between them and their God is they can try to exit the relationship. This is what a person can do. And the way that they do this is by trying to ignore that God exists. They will pretend that there is no God. They will try to live their lives without acknowledging the truth intentionally. This is a way of trying to exit the relationship that does exist. And our God is a very patient God and a very kind God. And he will allow a person to live their lives all the way from the womb to the tomb and reject him. He is willing to do that with the hope that maybe at some point in their life they might repent and believe the truth. But if they do not accept the truth, if they do not repent and surrender to the new covenant, 
if they will not acknowledge that there is a God, they will not acknowledge the truth that he has revealed. If this is the case, then at a certain point, they will physically die. The death rate is still one per person, and they will die. And when they die, they will recognize that they do have a relationship with God, because at that point, they will be brought before the throne of God, the judgment seat, and he will explain to them, they will recognize quickly, and he will also explain to them that they do have a relationship with him, that there does exist a relationship. And when they are before him, he will at that time end the relationship. You see, we cannot end the relationship with God that we are born into. There's no way to do that. But he will definitely end the relationship. He will acknowledge at that time that they have a desire to exit the relationship between them and himself, and he will accommodate that. He will pass judgment against them, and he will send them to a place where he doesn't go. And that place is referred to hell, and that is where they will go. And when they are sent there, God will at that time forget them. They will be forgotten. He will accept that there is no longer any hope of establishing a relationship according to the new covenant. They were not able to reach the standard of the old covenant, so he will at that time permit them to exit the relationship and he will forget them. At that time, they will no longer have a relationship with God. For those of us who surrender to the new covenant, our relationship with him will then enter into a new phase of eternity. We will then be able to experience a new relationship with him that will certainly be different because we will no longer have our flesh. We will no longer be in this world. We will enter into the kingdom of God. We will see it and we will begin to participate with our God in his kingdom at that time. And so our relationship will go through a change, but we will never exit the relationship that we have with God. It will be a continuation of the relationship that we have always had in one form or another. Now, continuing into verse 20, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. There's one more thing I'd like to mention with regards to this section between verses 18 and 21. And that is that when we interact with other people, when we engage other people in the world, and we believe the truth of the gospel, the truth of the living God, that by our presence, we do expose the unbelief of other people. And you should be aware of this, that when you expose the unbelief of other people, because you are a witness, you are a living testimony of the living God, when you expose others, they will also have to decide in what way they're going to relate to you. And there may be a decision that they will alter or conform a little bit to your standards, to your beliefs, that they will relate to you differently in your presence, 
compared to how they would relate to others when they are in the presence of others who do not believe in the Lord Jesus. That does happen. Or they may decide that they need to exit the relationship with you. That this is just something you need to understand and be in touch with and not feel the need to condemn these people. Just because of the beliefs that you have, you will expose the fact that they are condemned already. And so our role mainly is to plead with people to be reconciled to God, not to just condemn them and remind them that they are going to hell, although there may be circumstances where that would be helpful. But the real ministry that we have is a ministry of reconciliation to reach out to people and remind them that God does love them, that he does want them to be a part of his life, that he does want to have a healthy relationship with them. He wants to have an eternal relationship with them. They do have a temporary relationship with him, even though they may try to ignore it, or they might believe that they have exited that relationship. It may be useful to remind them that at a certain point, that is going to be realized, that he will exit the relationship with them. They will never be able to exit the relationship with him, but he will definitely exit the relationship with them and send them to a place where they will be forgotten. So right now, they may be relating to God in the sense that they have forgotten him or they have ignored him, but the day will come when he will forget them and effectively ignore them. And it might be helpful to let them know that that is the relationship that they already have and that they need to have a new relationship. It is in their interest to surrender to the new covenant and be made alive, be made alive eternally and enter into the new relationship that we can have with our God. Now, continuing into verse 22, John chapter 3, verse 22, it says, After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now, John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Now, in verse 22, it states that Jesus was baptizing. John was baptizing, and now Jesus was baptizing. Why would Jesus baptize people? For the same reason that John was, because the ceremony, or the act of baptism, would have the same meaning. As I explained earlier in the fourth program in this series on the Gospel of John, I explained that baptism was something that started with the Pharisees as a means of converting a Gentile to Judaism. So when a Jew would be baptized, it was an official statement that the Jew considered himself to be just as unclean as a Gentile and that he also needed to repent and surrender to the old covenant and live a life the best he can in obedience to the Mosaic law. So what this baptism was, was it was a proclamation that a person decided to return to the Mosaic law to start over. In effect, they could have a renewal experience or a rededication of their life. There are many ways that we could describe this. But through this act, a person would officially publicly declare 
that they have decided from this day forward that they will do everything they possibly can to live in obedience to the Mosaic Law. And because Jesus was teaching the Old Covenant, because the New Covenant did not go into effect until after he died and rose from the dead, he was still teaching the Old Covenant, and he was encouraging people to surrender to the Old Covenant and to try and live according to the Old Covenant with hope, and with the expectation that at a certain point they would hear his words, where he said that with men it is impossible to enter into the kingdom of heaven, but with God all things are possible. And the way that he made it possible was by forgiving the sins of the world and by presenting a new covenant. Continuing on into verse 25, where it says, Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease." He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all, and what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, For God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. That's verse 36, where John proclaims that the wrath of God abides on people already, that people are already condemned. Now, in verse 30, John proclaims, He must increase, but I must decrease. It has to happen, because Jesus is the Messiah. Now, the first thing that I think we should think about is, what are these people doing with John? Why are they still with John? John told them that Jesus is the Messiah. Why are they still hanging out with John? They should be the disciples of Jesus, not the disciples of John, but they are still there. Now, I believe that part of that would be because, for the most part, Jesus was teaching people to live in obedience to the Mosaic Law, just like John was. So while Jesus would be proclaiming the New Covenant on occasion, he wasn't really teaching anything different at this time, because it was the Old Covenant that was in effect. But there would have to be a decrease and an increase in the sense that people would have to let go of John because Jesus is going to invoke the new covenant. This is similar to the struggle that we have when we're first saved. 
Everyone normally has the struggle of how do we now live the Christian life? It's perfectly normal. And this struggle is normally represented as the struggle between law and grace. That when a person first gets saved, they do try sincerely to live in obedience to God. They try to do the right things. They try to do that which is good. They try to get the evil out of their life. This is normal. This is appropriate. This is an important part of learning about your God, discovering who he is, understanding who you are, and growing in the reality of the new covenant, that there will be a struggle between law and grace. But over a period of time, a believer will see and discover that their life by the law, by their repentance and obedience, will decrease while their life living according to the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, and the inheritance that they have in Christ Jesus as a child of God, that increases over a period of time. And I believe that what John says here in John chapter 3, verse 30, is symbolic and also in a way prophetic concerning what our relationship will be when we surrender to the new covenant. And I will continue into chapter 4 in the next program. Thank you for listening. This program is the 12th program in the verse-by-verse study on the book of John. In this program, I spend time explaining that everyone has a relationship with God. Unfortunately, most people refuse to acknowledge that this relationship exists. They refuse to acknowledge the existence of God in most cases. But even though they take this position, eventually, one day, they will physically die. And when they do, they will enter into the presence of God, and they will see that they really did have, and they still have, a relationship with him. But at this point in their life, he will end the relationship. He will effectively acknowledge their desire to exit the relationship, and he will relocate them, he will place them in hell, and there they will be forgotten. God will forget them, and he will consider that to be the decision that ends the relationship between himself and that person who is of his creation. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net